Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast, locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the City of Roses, City of Bridges, Stumptown, PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me are my co-hosts, Eric the Encyclopedia Foster. Oh, baby, I love it. The Bay Area Blazer, Rosa Panta. Look good, feel good, pod good, let's get it. And keeping us honest, looking up stats and fact-checking the man in the chair, Blazer Ben. Bingo, bingo, bongo. Welcome back, guys. I gotta say, I love our intro. It's so much fun. It's fire. It's the best <laughs> intro in the game. Just best hands intro down, in right? Best intro. <laughs> it's gotta be, right? Absolutely. I agree. It's not just me because it's not just me because I wrote most of it. <laughs> Actually, I gotta I gotta give credit where credit's due. Ro did come up with half of it. What's good, Portland? <laughs> What's good? <laughs> All right, enough messing around. We got a we got a few things to talk about today, fellas. Uh, we got what what happened recently? The 2021 Hall of Fame uh, induction that was pretty cool, right? We got the Malice at the Palace documentary that came out recently. We got Dame's rating in NBA 2K. Another thing I want to talk to you guys about is who makes the final roster spot, and we will end with props. But first. Let's hit that Hall of Fame, man. You guys catch that? We had Rick Adelman, Chris Bosh, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, congratulations to do, to those guys. And the speeches were great. And girls. Yeah, I, I got and uh, girls. I, and girls. And girls. And girls. And girls. True. Women. So I got to say uh, it was super cool seeing Rick Adelman getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I would assume most of you all know, I know you three know, Rick Adelman coached here for, what was it, like 10 years or so? Nine, 10 years? It was six. something crazy. Encyclopedia. Six. It was not six. It was Terrible. six. It had to be more six than seasons. six. So what I meant to say is he coached here for like six seasons, right? Something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, look, Rick Adelman was the coach uh, that I remember the most uh at least the most fondly as a kid growing up uh going to the games and watching the games you know watching that terry porter clyde drexler jerome kersey um buck williams kevin duckworth uncle cliffy like they were steamrolling fools and it was fun to see it was fun to see uh that caliber of coaching even though you know as a kid you don't really recall you know you don't retain a lot of that but um you know i kind of wanted to go down the line and see what you guys remember from that team because like somebody getting inducted into the hall of fame it's kind of fun just to reminisce a little bit so uh ro i'll start with you man the bay area blazer well i mean i was actually watching some youtube videos because i just wanted to remember what type of coach rick adelman was and rod strickland actually had some great things to say about rick adelman just about how creative he was how he did like how he just thought outside of the box and when Rod Strickland came to Portland, he was mostly like a like a, a handle the ball kind of point guard. But Rick Adelman had him like coming off of screens, dri- like diving down the lane and even like post ups. And Rod Strickland, if you remember, I mean, he's a small guy. And to have him be, like doing post ups is kind of kind of strange, kind of unique. And the story behind that is actually Muggsy Bogues 
They were about to play Muggsy Bogues, and Rick Adelman was like, hey, are you gonna post up that five foot three point guard over there or what? And they tried it out, it worked out great, and they kept it rolling. I mean, Rick Adelman was a very creative coach, and he showed it with, I mean, just how successful he was in Portland. Is Rod Strickland really small? Because from what I remember, he was about the size of Dane. 6'3". I mean, he's 6'3", but you don't <laughs> expect him to post up, do you? True. No, not at Just all. Just say. I mean, especially, like, unless your name is, like, Gary Payton, I'm not expecting you to post up back then, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Blazer Ben, what do you recall from, from that back, in, back then, like, the 90, 92 era? I mean, I think the one takeaway I got from his induction speech was uh, when they were in the finals and he was talking about how the city was filled with signs. You know, I would long to live through that again because I was around for this just to see that city camaraderie. You know, you're going through all the stores and you see the Blazers, Go Blazers signs everywhere. And that he said that thousands of people were lined up at the airport for them to come back into town. Just, you know, Tim, you and I went to that. Uh, we, did we go to the playoff and the Grey Golden one downtown? Yeah. Yeah. yeah just what to was see that. that what, they called that like Rip City Uprise or something like that. Yeah. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just just to see that just magnified would be amazing. And I, I just enjoyed him just reliving uh, his, his stories from the, the Western Conference finals and, and, and the times like that and the times he had here in Portland. So, you know. Absolutely. All right, Encyclopedia, I know you got something to say. First, congratulations to Coach Adelman for a storybook career. Unfortunately, it didn't end in a championship here or anywhere else. You know, he had a great run in, in Sacramento, too, with those Weber, Bibby, Kings. But, you know, Rowan and Ben both hit it on the head. They were very thorough in, what, in, in all of the highs of that speech and his accomplishments getting into the hall. My problem though, not trying to be negative, is if that there were someone, and I know that the hall requires your presenter to also be in the hall of fame. Why was Clyde Drexler not inducting him in or presenting him into the NBA or the basketball <laughs> hall of fame? Where was Clyde Drexler? Vladi I mean, that's, Divac, that's a really? good question. Vladi? That's a good question. I mean, do you think that that came down to Clyde's decision or the it better, Hall of Fame's decision? Look, I'm going to go on here because Clyde Drexler is probably never coming on our podcast, and he's probably my least favorite greatest blazer. That guy has done nothing but <laughs> be a backstabber. I mean, he's the original LaMarcus Aldridge when it comes oh, to how people fired. do Portland. <laughs> Dang, tell us how you really feel, man. And it probably was. I mean, to be honest, it probably was a Clyde thing because he's also the guy that decided to video in for Kevin Duckworth's funeral. So, yeah. that See, I can't remember if I've said that on the show or not, but that was the big thing for me when we were at the duck uh, ceremony and all of his teammates showed up except for Clyde. And he videoed in from – it looked like it was pre-recorded, to be honest – from a basketball camp he was putting on and it was so bad too like i don't know if you remember yeah, how bad, bad it was it was bad i mean yeah. it didn't seem it didn't seem sincere no it's like but you know what i'm old enough to remember that clyde that's how clyde was in all his interviews yeah 
That's true. I mean, that's a good point. But, you know, you would think that, you know, something as personal as losing. I mean, you you talk, uh, you go back and watch videos of Clyde. Like, there were interviews of him saying that, you know, that, that team back then, they, they were brothers. Like, they were so close that they all felt like brothers. And to see... I mean, we're diving down a rabbit hole here with Clyde, but but to see, you know, something so impersonal like that at Duck's, you know, ceremony. Memorial, yeah. That was, I mean, that was kind of a slap in the face to me anyway. But back to Rick Adelman. Right. Um, well-deserved. Absolutely. Uh, he had... Yeah, he he led the Trailblazers to two finals appearances. He has the best win percentage in Trailblazer coaching history at 65%. And he also got That's jobbed. Crazy. Don't forget What's he that? got jobbed. He got jobbed in 2002 with the with the Kings. Yep. Yeah, he he did not miss the playoffs with Portland at all. He also didn't miss the playoffs at all with the Sacramento Kings and that's that's what we won't talk about his little stint with uh Golden State those two years in between (laughs) or Minnesota or Minnesota but those two I mean just success success all around and that's a big win for him to get into the Hall of Fame absolutely uh you guys think Chris Bosh is deserving no no do tell Ben what, what did he do on his own, man? He did nothing until he, you know, Retired collaborated his... with the best player in the league. You know, he was the man. I in mean, Tur- Bosch, he was the man on, in Bosch Toronto. was pretty good in Toronto. Yeah. And, and did what with it? Got himself traded to a championship team in <laughs> Miami. Yeah. No, he's not a, he's not a hall of famer. I'm just, I'm just leaving it at that, man. Then neither is Scotty Pippen or Robert Parrish or Kevin McHale. No, because they, they were all second and third. No, no, no. They were all second and third fiddles on championship teams, and those guys are all in the hall. Chris Bosh they, deserves they traded to work together as a collaborative super team. No, that they has nothing to up. do with. They worked up through the ranks. It'd be different if LeBron and Bosh and Wade played two, three years. You know, Robert Parrish did get traded. Robert Parrish oh, did sorry, get one, traded. One, my bad. One. Robert hold on, Parrish. hold on. Let Ben, let Blazer Ben finish his thought. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. You know, come I, on, children. I feel like if they were able to, to build like that that legacy that they said they wanted to do, you know, they they didn't do it. They came in, they got their couple championships, and then they just started fizzling out. And you know, and obviously, once LeBron left, what did Bosch and Wade do? Nothing. Well, Eric, your rebuttal. <laughs> Chris Bosch was playing pretty good basketball before, you know, that hereditary heart ailment took him out and killed his career. He was also a number one guy in Toronto. He is the guy who secured that rebound that gave Ray Allen the opportunity to hit that game six three-pointer. I mean, Chris Bosch was a pretty good basketball player. I mean, from top to bottom. And to be honest, he's the guy who sacrificed his game the most in order for that those Miami teams to make four straight finals. Yeah, I mean, it seems like with the Basketball Hall of Fame, it's all about the resume, right? What does your resume say? And even though a lot of this stuff is group project stuff, I mean, he is a two-time NBA champion. He's an 11-time NBA All-Star. He's an All-NBA player. I mean, he made the the all-rookie first team, I think. And 
He's just he just has the resume. So like I think if we talk about how talented he was and if he was carrying a team whether or not those are like two different kinds of conversations. Um as far as like Hall of Fame requirements, I think he meets it just cuz of the resume, right? Yeah, he checks all the boxes. Here, yeah. here, here, here. Let me just I'll throw you some Chris Bosh fact real quick. 11 All-Star appearances, two championships. Uh he's got uh two All-NBAs, right? Uh he's been player of the month several times. Um you know, so I mean, there's not a lot that just really just screams Hall of Fame. I get it. I I mean, I get it. But I think the the bar You get is... in. Go ahead. You get in on 11 All-Star appearances appearances to all NBA teams and two NBA championships alone. That that'll get you into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Now, I just feel like he's he, I just feel like he's an under the radar you know, inductee. There are some guys who should be in there before him who do not have the same resume who had a bigger impact on their basketball teams for sure. You know, I'll just throw a name out there right now and say Sean Kemp should be in the NBA Hall of Fame. He's not. Kevin Johnson is not. Tim Hardaway is not. So So you think Sean Kemp... Explain your reasoning why Sean Kemp should be in there. Uh, and, and, And Ben, and Ben, not only... Sorry not to interrupt you, Eric, but... And Ben, uh, do you think Sean Kemp should be in there? Uh, the Rain Man? Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, he's in the same boat as Bosch. As just, uh, just because he was a he was a player from my my era, I would say yes. But that's just a biased opinion. Yeah. Well, let me just to compare them. Sean Kemp was a six-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA. Chris Bosh was an 11-time All-Star, two-time champion, one-time All-NBA, one-time All-Rookie. And I think that speaks as to why Chris Bosh made it to the Hall of Fame versus Sean Kemp. It also but go speaks, ahead, Encyclopedia. It, well, I think it also speaks to the era in which Sean Kemp played because you can go back and watch Sean Kemp highlights. You can go watch games. You can go watch entire playoff series now, and you can see him play basketball. And it speaks to the era that he played in and the quality of players that were Hall of Famers ahead of him. Charles Barkley, Carl um, Malone. You had guys who were who were top-tier power forwards because that was where the ball went a lot of the time, and he was playing... Um, a lot of the time out of position, you know, playing a little small forward, playing a little center. He was a, he was a basketball guy who could defend all three front court positions, but he didn't get the same recognition because there were guys who were doing it at a bigger levels. You know, if Sean Kemp played in the same era that Chris Bosch played in, he would also have 11 all-star appearances, you know? So, there are some things to take into account. Now, if we start breaking it down by which era they played in, and that becomes a uh, metric that we use to decide if someone is Hall of Fame worthy, then, you know, I understand that. But, you know, there are definitely, from a basketball contribution standpoint, arguments to be made for why Sean should be in the, the Hall of Fame. Sure. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not discrediting anything you guys are saying. I'm just saying... You know, I think there's a reason why Chris Bosh was chosen before Sean Kemp. 
Bro, do you have anything to chime in on this? I, I mean, I would have to agree. I mean, I'm still going to stand to my point, which is like, it's about the resume. And like Chris Bosch, unfortunately for Ben, has the resume. And I think that to the Basketball Hall of Fame, that's important. When they put up your stats, when they put up your plaque or whatever it is, you know, they have to list XYZ why you were that dude in the Hall of Fame and he has it. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, next guy on our list is Paul Pierce. Ooh. Now, did you guys catch that he thanked the nine teams that didn't select him? You think this guy still has a chip on his shoulder? <laughs> Paul Pierce <laughs> always has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, I think to this day, he's still calling out ESPN saying that, like, I didn't like ESPN anyway. They just made me talk about LeBron James all day. So... <laughs> I'm not surprised. There were some big names drafted ahead of him, though, so, you know. Who's this, Paul Pierce? Yeah. Do you tell? Well, you had Vince Carter drafted at five. White Chocolate drafted at seven. Dirk drafted at nine. And then Paul Pierce at ten. Ooh. Yeah. Who else was in there, though? Because uh, the number one draft like pick, were... man, the candy man. Eric? Michael Olawa Candy. Nailed it. Yeah, Michael Olawa Candy, Mike Bibby, Rayful Friends, Anton Jameson, Vince Carter, Robert Tractor, Trailer, White Chocolate, Larry Hughes, Dirk, and then Paul. I you... get why Paul Pierce would be upset. Yeah. Yeah, I there's mean, a good handful yeah. before him. Good <laughs> handful <laughs> that were like two, three seasons and where'd they go? So a couple of things with Paul Pierce. I'm just going to chime in. Please. Paul Pierce is a fantastic basketball player. Great player. Like Ben was opining about Chris Bosh, he did not win anything until Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett got to his Boston Celtics team. And that team. Stopping you. He was on that team, though. If that's fair, LeBron and Wade were to join Bosch in Toronto, different story. That team was constructed to win the same. Now, the methods by which the team is constructed are pretty much irrelevant because it can be through signings, which goes with the GM. It can go. It can be through trades that goes with the GM. But those teams were constructed. They were not organically built. I mean, and I think that's really what it boils down to. Now, the bigger thing with Pierce over Bosch is that Pierce was the man for much longer before he had to get with two other guys to go get his chip. And the guy got stabbed, like, like I don't know, like 30 times or something <laughs> and still made it out on top. <laughs> you know, so you get in. But I'm okay, I'm okay with the Pierce one. Oh yeah, I'm okay. I, I think I think Paul belongs in it. Go ahead, Ro. I'm okay with Paul Pierce too. I mean, the thing is, is that like the difference is that Paul Pierce was like the face of that trio, pretty much, and that's like a trio with Ray Allen and KG, and they're, you know, they're they were larger than life characters too, and I think with Paul Pierce, his impact at that time, you know, taking down the teams that he was taking down, I think it was appropriate to say that he's largely responsible for the championship that they won in in Boston and just real quick 
Paul Pierce should thank those teams that didn't draft him because he fell into a great situation in Boston. You're not wrong. Can you imagine if he would have ended up in like Denver? There's a picture of him that floats around the internet of him in a, like during his workout in a Denver Nuggets shirt. Yeah. Like in that dookie brown color and the blue that they used to put like. (laughs) Oh man. Like man, that's brutal. That would have been awful for his career. And uh, that's Rafe LaFrance. Um, Rafe LaFrance, the guy who famously botched the elbow pass from White Chocolate in the rookie <laughs> game. Rafe, if you're listening, I'm still upset with you for not finishing what could have been a top 10 play in NBA history. So, fellas, scrub. I know you hear the name <laughs> Bill Russell and think he had to have been in there already, right? Yeah. Well, he is. But this time he gets inducted as a coach. Now, before I, I get your guys' thoughts on this, I I guess I never really realized that he was a coach. And that's probably because it was well before my time. Well before really any of our times. Um, but I, I did... You know, I'm going to go with the encyclopedia first. Did you, did you know that he was a coach? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a player coach, too. He so was for three he was, seasons, I think, right? Yeah, so he was Crazy. calling his plays for himself. He's like, time out. <laughs> Guys, okay, we're going to draw something up for me. Hang on. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah, I, I knew he coached. He was um, he was one of those first player coaches back, back when. Yep. And, uh, you know, Lenny Wilkins did that, too, for, um, I think. So, interesting stats for a guy you know that had so many rings to also go and then and then go coach some some of those teams and he and did he it had a, a good record yeah he did he did yeah. with boston only yeah he ended it with the sacramento uh and his record was 17 and 41 yeah but overall his coaching career he was 631 and 341 that's a pretty good coaching coaching career if you ask me yeah, I, I would agree. And man, I feel like talking about Bill Russell coaching like as a player coach, we're kind of giving Eric some ideas with his with his team. Like he's going <laughs> to toss on with, a with his high school team. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> player coach, no. put me in. They're like, hey, first of all, the gray hair is a disqualifier. <laughs> That's true. Ineligible player. Second, <laughs> just shave it. Just you know, you look off. like you're about to have a coronary we really don't nobody here wants to give you mouth to mouth coach not gonna work but correct me if i'm wrong ben because i don't know but he won a couple you got the you you got the, yeah. the page up yeah. russell yeah. won what two, two he won two championships as, as a player coach right yeah Celtics, 68 and 69 and tim you you started you quoted his stats wrong he had 631 games coached he won 341, lost 290. So his record was 54%. Well, that's why you're here, buddy. Yeah. And, Sorry, I mean, I to correct that. I think that's really cool for, for Bill, too. You know, Bill Russell, is, he's probably one of the most underrated guys. And I know that sounds crazy considering, you know, the accolades and how um, prevalent he is in NBA media. But as far as his actual skill set, you know, he does not get the same type of respect that other guys do. And right. he did it on a variety of levels, clearly, as both a player and a coach. So big kudos to the the big man in the middle over in Boston. 
He's definitely a pioneer for his era. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the, so Chris Weber made it, uh, one of the, the funnier things, well, maybe not so funny, but interesting thing that, that I saw was that when Tony Kukoc was inducted, he, he said he was glad that the dream team beat him. He was glad because something along, along the lines of it gave him motivation to push himself harder to be better basically. And I thought that was kind of funny that he ended up joining MJ and the Bulls <laughs> and winning. Well, he was drafted by them. As yeah. A second round, second round pick too. That, that's what I'm saying. There's history there too. It goes beyond those, uh, those Barcelona Olympics in 92. Mm-hmm. So there's the Tony Ku coach gets the last shot. Scotty Pippen sits his pouty little behind on the bench. Yep. Ku coach actually does hit the game winner kind of is it that I mean gives Pippen an opportunity to kind of gloss over that black stain on his career um but if we go back you know to those 92 Olympics they did not just beat him they made it a point to go at him and shut him down wasn't that, wasn't Pippen, that in wasn't that in the documentary the last dance last dance yeah yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and I knew about that long before, you know, because they talked about it, you know, previously that Krauss liked Tony. So Scotty and Mike decided that this <laughs> Croatian dude was about to get clamped. He was going <laughs> he was going to NBA defensive jail, and that's where they kept him, man. And he kept trying to break out, and they brought the guards in, just beat him. Blew yeah. the whistle, whoop, came in, just clamped him, man. And it's... I watch those games still. I'll, I'll throw those 92 games on YouTube, and that's what I like to watch because the dude, you look on his face, he's just like, I hate my life. So for him to come back now, you know, like, he comes back 30 years later, it's like, okay, I'm glad that you can see something positive that came out of that because you look like you were trying to find your way up to the rafters to jump off, you know, during the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he said in those documentaries, he said that, like, Jordan and Pippen were coming after him and talking a whole bunch of smack and he was just sitting there wondering like what what did I do to deserve this like I don't even know these guys <laughs> but it's good to hear that co- like Ku coach I mean he he had a fire under his butt after that and look he's in the Hall of Fame right so kudos to him another career propelled by MJ so the next guy Ben Wallace man so first of all, truth be told, I don't know. I never followed Ben Wallace. He was not one of my favorite players. Um, I mean, he was. I knew who he was, but he was never like. Besides all the the little headbands and stuff, all the all the different armbands he wore, like <laughs> he was never really like the flashiest player to me, and so. Like, to, to hear and see Ben Wallace get inducted into the Hall of Fame, I was kind of surprised. What did you take from that? Uh, we'll go with Roe. What I took from that is that Ben Wallace, he stands for more than just his stats, his accolades. He actually stands for an era. I mean, the bad boy Pistons. He was literally the face. And it was, I mean, four-time defensive player of the year. I mean, he was completely physical. He was an absolute beast. I mean, 
it it only seems fitting to 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 induct someone like that into the hall of fame when they were literally like one of the people that's like a timestamp in the nba right you know exactly mm-hmm. what type of nba that was when ben wallace was playing mm-hmm. absolutely encyclopedia uh ben wallace was again another one of those guys who was a heck of a basketball player and he utilized his physical gifts to their maximum ability you know row hit it already he was a four-time defensive player of the year he was six-time all defense he was a blocks leader he was a rebound leader at one point but the most glaring thing that you see when you look at ben wallace was he did that at the center position when centers were big and he did it when he was six nine right he was six foot nine right i was just gonna ask you it seemed to me like from what i remember he was kind of undersized and yeah six nine that that was that's and nuts bodied, to do what he did at 6'9". And the guys that he was going up against back then were not the centers that we have now that are thin little bean poles that they want to run the floor, <laughs> you know, and shoot deep threes. Like, he was playing against, you know, I'll never forget that very first, that year that they won, you know, that's Shaq in L.A. You know what I mean? Like, that's not old right. Shaq in Cleveland. He's playing... He's playing on a team where he's bodying Shaq in Los Angeles in the NBA Finals. Right. And we saw what Shaq was doing to guys at that time. Uh, he had he was going up against the Mornings. He was going up against the... Um, the Kenbans. Uh, Yao was in the league, you know? So mm-hmm. you, imagine him putting the clamps on seven foot six Yao Ming. You know, like, guys didn't do that. So what he was able to do at his position, at his height was really impressive and it speaks to the to his overall ability and it obviously translated into a win they went to back-to-back finals and they won one and they beat an NBA or an, an LA Lakers team that was stacked they beat a stacked LA team prime Kobe prime Shaq you know aging GP for sure aging Malone for sure but that team was more more than favored that team was they had that team penciled in to win the NBA finals from just like they do the the Brooklyn Nets right now. You know, going into the season, they're the favorites. And they didn't just beat them, they whooped them. And Ben Wallace absolutely destroyed Shaq in that series. Yeah, you, I mean, obviously, I'm assuming you think he's well, it's well worthy of his um, entrance into the hall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, going back and looking over tape, it's hard to argue. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But it brings me to our next topic, actually. Did you guys catch the Malice at the Palace documentary? 
Yes, absolutely. Was that... Okay, before I, I sway what you say one way or the other, <clears throat> I kind of I kind of just want to hear what your initial thoughts were when you finished it. Encyclopedia. Um, there were some things in there that I didn't know, like... I didn't know that the those guys were talking about suing and walking into the Pistons uh, management office already trying to work their angle. You know, oh, so there by, was some... by the way, before we get too deep, uh, maybe we should say spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Pause, pause the pod. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never, but I, see, and there are a lot of guys on there, and I think that was not geared for a guy like me who had already kind of given those guys a pass. I, I'm a little bit old school in the fact that if, I don't care what I'm doing or where I'm at. If somebody throws a drink at me and I don't, you know, I'm not saying that Ron Artest was right or any of those guys were right. But there's a lot of things that factor into the decision to go into the stands and whoop a little tail. You know what I mean? And was it right? No. But can I understand why it happened? Absolutely. You know, I you're throwing drinks. You got fans who are trying to come at you. It's a heightened environment already. You know, you walked into the you walked into the Palace of Auburn Hills. Detroit is notorious for its. Uh, you know, going back two decades at that point, you know, for its style of play. And Indiana had a huge chip on their shoulder. So I can understand why it went down the way that it did. It 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 didn't... It's obviously not a good look for the league. But, I mean... I mean, ask you, all three of you guys, honestly. Like, someone throws a drink on you? You're not <laughs> molly-whopping that fool? I mean, I'm I'm probably not throwing blows over it, but I mean, row, row. I will I will probably I have something strongly to say to them, bro. Look, if I'm a player, and 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 I'm not I'm not saying that, like I'm not giving the fan a pass, but I'm also not saying that our test was right to run up into the stands and start decking this dude. But first of all, he didn't even deck the right dude. <clears throat> secondly, se- before you cut me off, secondly, if I'm if I'm an NBA player and there's more there's more going on than just, you know, playing ball, like I know that if I do something to a fan or you know, rush into the stands for one reason or another, like there are going to be some serious repercussions, but I will say that I probably would not be going up there to deck somebody for throwing a drink on me when I'm already sweaty. I'm already wet. Now I'm just a little sticky, right? Okay. And on top of that, our test had some has some mental issues. And he had those that was what I was going to interrupt you and say. What kind of special do you have to be to instigate <laughs> anything? <laughs> With Ron Artest, because that was not a new development. Ron Artest had (laughs) been crazy. Right. Right? So, I'm sorry when somebody does something like that to a guy that already is unstable. Like, you're getting what you're you're getting your just desserts. Well, you know, he probably probably thought he would get away with it. Because you saw in the... So... Oh, yeah, he threw it like a little sis. For for those of you that are still with us, that don't care if we spoil uh, the, the film for you, if you haven't seen it. He... The fan tosses the cup 
and basically ducks out of the way like like it wasn't him. Like he had no idea where that came from. Yeah, it it wasn't a baseball throw. It was like you know the from that, the hip. The, it was like you know the bottle flip thing that everyone's loving to record themselves do. It was like that kind of lob. It was just a little bottle toss. And let me paint a picture for you, Tim, before you think that you wouldn't fight somebody after they pour a drink on you. Help Imagine me out, Imagine you're playing in that era. It is physical, okay? You sure. literally hate this team. You know the fans hate you, okay? And the thing that happened before it was a very physical foul, and Ben Wallace, okay, shoves you in the chest. Shoves you in the chest, and you're just trying to calm down. You're minding your business, you're laying down, and then a drink flies in your face? Like, think about you in your in your prime physical fitness, okay? You're absolutely. Juiced up, and I'm there up. right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. what are you talking about? He's prime right now. <laughs> you can't tell me that if you were in the middle of a football game, you know, like in high school, and you're juiced up, that you wouldn't think about it? So there is kind of like an unspoken rule when it comes to sports. And it's it's just you don't go into the stands, man. You just don't. You don't have an altercation with fans. Just like the fans don't go on the field or the court. Like you just don't do that. Yeah, you but don't they do did. it. They did. But they the but they did. Yes, they did. But that but that's all I'm saying like like I know it's 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 like it's probably a faux pas to say, but as a professional athlete, I feel like you should hold yourself to a higher standard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean I, you sound like being, the media criticizing them at well, that time. Now, hold on. Because you asked me. Are they thugs, if I Tim? Still... Are they thugs, Tim? <laughs> yeah. Are, are they, they thugs, Tim? Are we going to start saying that now? <laughs> <laughs> no. What I'm saying is that me in my prime physical condition, I hate this team, Ben Wallace shoves me. So what? The dude didn't deck me. Even if I'm heated, True. I'm still not going to go take out that aggression on a fan that threw a drink at me. I'll, I'll look at security and say, go get that fool. That's not my job. There are literally people in the arena to take care of that. Now, it's Ron not Ron Artest. It's like not. He, hold on. It's yes. not Ron Artest's fault that that security was nowhere to be seen. It's not his fault. The police were understaffed for that game. Apparently, that was but, the most surprising thing of this documentary. That was. But I did but not you still realize there was like up, only three dudes. Three right. You still don't there. run up in the stands and deck a fool, man. Like not only that, like the the lawsuits alone would prevent me from doing that. I mean, if you make it to that level, you work hard for your money, man. Why are you just going to give it up just so you can sucker punch some dude? You're talking about a guy that was bored during the lockout season and tried to get a job at Circuit City. I know, dude. I'm not I'm not you know discrediting what I'm the like, fact. I'm, I'm not I'm not overlooking the fact that fact, he has issues. Mentally, I'm going to be the guy, but I'm, I'm just the guy saying. that says it. Ron Artest, go into the stands. Knock that fool out. Try to hit the right guy though. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steven Jackson, real quick. Sit your ass down. Not you, Ben. The Auburn Hills Police Department is eight minutes from the Palace of the Auburn Hills Stadium. Eight minutes. That altercation was a lot longer than eight minutes. Oh, man. 
Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's so, why they were calling 911, right? Yeah. To get more, why, more police why, there. Like but, you guys stated, where was the security? Where was the police? The look, station is eight minutes away. I know they're not just crazy. sitting there at the station. There yeah, was. Let's remember they're in Detroit. Yeah. But they still. are in Detroit. There's probably a lot of stuff going on <laughs> and at not 10 only o'clock that, at night in not Detroit. Not only that, cops aren't like what you see in the movies. They, they're not all just palling around at the station. Okay? Normally, they're at the uh, station filling I'll up Google paperwork at the end of their store, shift. Fine. But... <laughs> okay. But all I'm saying is, there were a lot of things that went wrong on that night. And I am not pinpointing blame on any player... Or staff member, I gotta be honest with you guys. It all starts with the fans. It starts with that one fan that gets everyone else riled up. The dude that rushed the court—I forget his name already. Dude that rushed the court and just about got killed by Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal's punching bag. Yeah. The smushy face. The best. Yeah. The best part, honestly, the best part of that film was. Uh, oh man, now I can't remember who it Reggie? was that said it. Reggie. Reggie's saying that Jermaine slipping and just glancing him with that blow was probably the best miss of Jermaine's career. And he still he would turned have that dude's lip into him. grape jelly. He still yeah, turned he that dude's lip into grape jelly. Yeah. What, what about when the security guards were ty- trying to get Reggie Miller off the court because they didn't know who he was? <laughs> and see, that's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous, man. But it's Detroit. How do you not know who Reggie Miller is? In 2003, how do you not know who Reggie Miller is? Or, sorry, 2006, how do you not know who Reggie Miller is? Right, right. I mean, that's a, it's a valid point. And do, yes. do we know the, the ref that was at this game, Tim Donahue, do we think he had any anything to do with this? No? That game was a blowout. Yeah, true. Do we think Tim Donahue had anything to do with, with the events that transpired? Well, he was the ref that got caught in the gambling scandal. Sure, but I mean, was he betting on like a all-out brawl, a Who riot? Knows, man? Who knows? <laughs> I like the conspiracy <laughs> it's, theory, it's, though. It's far-fetched. I, like it. I understand. It's very, very far-fetched. Yeah. But Let's go back, though. No- Let's go back. The part of that, though, going back as a Blazer fan, the part that bothered me the most about that documentary was Jermaine O'Neal's commentary. I'm glad you brought that up. Continue, please. So there was a, when he's describing, uh, as it's leading up to the malice, they go through each player and kind of their player history. And Jermaine's talking about his time in Portland. And he talks about getting to Indiana and finally feeling like he was wanted. Which, I mean, when someone gives you a four-year, $20 million contract, because that's what he got in Portland after his rookie deal was over. You know, that's a pretty good indication that you're wanted. Um, I felt that that was more story than it was truth. That was just for to, to fluff that piece a little bit and make it a little bit more dramatic because that's not true. None of that was true. Jermaine O'Neal was wanted here. Jermaine O'Neal just had an opportunity to go somewhere else and play somewhere else because he was getting impatient playing behind guys like Rasheed Wallace, Brian Grant, Sabonis. You know, there wasn't a lot of minutes for that guy. So that was a tough one for me to listen to because, I I mean, I think we can all agree we're huge Jermaine O'Neal fans. Oh, big time. Yeah, absolutely. He He was actually, even though he didn't see the floor very often, he was one of my favorite players on that squad. 
mean, he's great. He's a great, and he was, it was a, it, it was an opportunity. Like Portland gave him an opportunity. They knew that they were going to be bringing these guys back. You know, they, and let's be honest, like you look at who they brought in. Okay. So they trade him for Dale Davis. Like not only did they get Dale Davis, they also got Sean Kemp. Did it work on paper? Yeah, absolutely. Like you tell me that a Rashid Wallace, Sabonis, Dale Davis, Sean Kemp front court, you know, on depth chart wise is not better than Sabonis, Wallace, Kemp, O'Neal. Yeah. I mean, absolutely right. And like, I think, like, I feel for Jermaine O'Neal because, I mean, he got drafted really young. It was the same draft as Kobe Bryant. He spent a lot of time, you know, riding the pine as Kobe Bryant got a lot of shine. And I'm sure that kind of cooked in his head for a long time. And back in those days, the vets really ran the league. It's not like the league today where a lot of young players get a lot of play, right? And Jermaine O'Neal, I mean, you already said it. He was behind a ton of dudes. He was behind a ton of dudes. And, you know, I think one of the players told him, I can't remember, I saw it on an interview one time, but they basically told Jermaine, like, your time's going to come. It's just not right now, but your time's going to come because they knew how talented he was. That's why they paid him. And Rashid has gone on record. Yeah, Wallace has gone on record and said that they knew. Yeah. They knew that he could play. They, I mean, Rashid used to tell him, like, hey, he used to bust our ass in practice. Right. You know, we knew that he was going to be good. So for... She called him one of the best finishers at the rim. She did. So, yeah, like I said, to me, that just felt like it was more for dramatic effect and to make that a little bit more storyline worthy than it actually was. But sure, especially when when he said that there were times that he had tears in his eyes sitting at the end of the bench because he wanted to play so badly. I mean, I can get that, but I mean, that's yeah, that's totally. A- but I mean, that's if that isn't a fluff piece, I don't know what is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know and it's just another one, you know, for as a Blazer fan, for us, it's just another little dig they take at the organization. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And it hurts just as much every time. But fellas, that is enough. With the malice at the palace, if I'm gonna quote, <laughs> if, if I'm gonna quote Stephen Jackson, this is the last time I'm talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that final roster spot. It's gonna, it's gotta come down between Marquise Chris, Dennis Smith Jr., and Patrick Patterson, because we've already got Dane, CJ, Norm, Rocco, Yusuf. From the bench, we've got Simons, Tony Snell, Nasir Little, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller, and even further down the line, you've got Ben McLemore, CJ Ellaby, and Greg Brown, and the two-way Trendon Watford. Well, there's two spots, right? There's two spots for those three guys. Yes, I believe so, but uh, I think from what I've seen, all indication is that we're leaving the last roster spot open. But... Out of those three guys, who do you see making it? Bro. Better be Chris. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's going to agree with you. (laughs) It has to be Marquise Chris. It has to be. I mean, I said it before. It's Larry Nance Insurance. You know what I mean? I mean, Nurk, 
injury history, Larry Nance injury history, even though Marquise Chris also has injury history, you need someone else that plays that same kind of way, and Marquise Chris is that dude. Eric? Yeah, it's got to be Marquise Chris. I mean, and if it's not, then there better be a really good reason why, because as far as return on investment and risk versus reward, that's the guy that he checks both those boxes. Well, and not only that, like he fills a need, right? Because right. do you really need a Dennis Smith Jr.? No, well, you're guard you heavy don't. already. You got seven. What, what was it? Seven guards on the roster already. Like half your team is guards. You don't need another guard. You need somebody to back up your bigs, and that is Marquise Chris or Patrick Patterson. And if I had to choose, it's going to be Marquise Chris because I don't know what Patrick Patterson's got in the tank. Blazer Ben, you got anything? I I echo what everyone else has already said, but uh, if All right. it's not Chris, I would <laughs> I would go with Patrick Patterson. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to. Um, I don't know, Eric or, or, or Ben or, gosh, I guess even Ro, you guys know when they have to make that final decision? Is it by the season start or is it by uh, um, the end of training camp? Or when is that? Because training camp starts, what, the 28th and the regular season starts on the 19th of October? They'll set that roster before the beginning of the regular season. They'll play. All those guys are going to be on the roster and get an opportunity to play during the preseason. And they'll see which guys fit and what goes where and what pieces, you know, fit where. But I mean, I don't anticipate Patrick Patterson of, of the three Patrick Patterson is my least likely to make the roster. Um, yeah, I think I agree. I think that they'll want a youth guy there. They have enough vets, you know, do they sure. need Dennis Smith? No. Do they need, but they really don't need Marquise Chris either. I don't think that they need him necessarily as much as he is a guy that could be a big time reward on a low risk investment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to interject real quick. Do you guys also feel like, like I do where it's been so long since we've had a regular, like, a legitimate regular NBA season that you forgot how it all plays out. <laughs> I'm excited for 82 games. Yeah, dude. Me too. Me. Tambien. 82 games that aren't every other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did enjoy the, the ferocious pace of the NBA season. I enjoyed being able to watch a game every single day um it seemed like anyway but you know time will tell we'll see if if it's marquise dennis or patrick that make the roster i think we're all crossing our fingers it's going to be marquise let's dive into something a little more fun i know you all play nba 2k yes sir do you guys see dame's rating yeah <laughs> Don't sound too excited. <laughs> Look, he's rated at a 94 overall. Not bad. And I've got I have some serious qualms with this 3-point rating of his. And I'm going to tell you why in a second. Dame's 3-point rating comes through at an 87. 
You know where that ranks him? In the game. You know where that ranks him? Where? Tenth best. Tenth best. Tenth? Would you, do you guys think there are there are nine well, what's Tony players Snell's? in the league that shoots shoot better? The same. Tony Snell? Tony Snell's 87. Tied. So, so he is tied with... Okay. Dame's three-point rating is tied with three other people. Michael Porter Jr., Bryn Forbes, and Tony Snell. Now, I will say Dame's career percentage is lower than all three of those players. All three of them. And some of them by a long shot. Even last year. So last year, Dame's three-point percentage was 39%. Michael Porter Jr. shot 44.5. Bryn Forbes, 45. And Tony Snell, 57% from beyond the arc. But I got to ask you. Do you know how many shots they put up? Not, this is this is where it kills me. <laughs> Guys, Michael Porter Jr. last season put up a respectable 6.3 a game. Brent Forbes also a relatively respectable 4.9. Basically 5 three-pointer three points a game. Tony Snell put up 2 2.3. 2. But he gets tied with Dame who shot 10 three-pointers a game. Tony, Tony, Tony Snell made 62 three-pointers last year total. That's what I'm saying. Look, so, Dame's so what you're career... saying is that we have two Dame Lillards on the team? <laughs> Dame's career attempts are eight per game. Tony Snell, 3.1. Come on. And this is another one that just... I feel like I'm about to make a, a Family Guy reference. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Who in the world is Derek Walton Jr.? Somebody please tell me. I've never heard of this man before. Uh, that's Ben's forte, I think. So, while Ben's looking up Derek Walton Jr., this guy's rated at an 89 for three-point. He is number seven. In the entire game, he's tied with KD, but his overall rating is 69. This guy, you want, you want fat, this guy's career attempts per game is one three-pointer. Is he friends with Ronnie 2K? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Like his career, he's a 41.5% three-point shooter. Last year, he shot 33%. Still less than Dame. Yet he's 17, ranked higher. 17 for 41 from three. Last season, he was one for three. He's uh, played with Miami, the Clippers, Detroit. Uh, and yeah, 17 for 41. Who is this guy? Career. Is he Never even on? Is he on a roster right now? Can we just can we just get the monkey off the back right now and just say that we all know that these 2K rankings are boo-boo because... They're bunk, man. Yeah, I mean, LeBron they is They always have the, been. LeBron is the highest rated 2K player ever. He's over Jordan. You know, Miami LeBron's at 99. No. That's insane. Because Miami LeBron lost two out of four NBA finals. Well, no, hold on. Wasn't 99 uh, Jordan never lost NBA finals. 
wasn't Jordan a 99? He was a 99 in like, uh, what was it, 96? No, not 96. No, yeah, but if you go look and you look at their individual ratings yeah, for like everything, they have LeBron higher. So LeBron's a higher 99. Eric did that deep dive. <laughs> it just aggravates me. But, you know, Dame gets the takeover. I like playing with Portland, you know. Dame, you got you got the takeover badge with, with Dame. That yeah. mitigates some of the losses that you get from not having him in the 90s with his three-point shot because once he starts cooking, and it's easy to cook with him, you know. As yeah. far as that 2K stuff goes, the the, the the glaring omissions on certain of certain players is what gets me. Now Brandon Roy's gone. We got no more B-Roy. I mean, you got to wonder if, if it's just like a, like a rights issue. Like maybe they just lost the rights. I mean... When's the last time you even heard about Brandon Roy besides he's coaching up in Seattle? Maybe he he's shot. just a hard guy. Get, maybe, well, that too. Remember that? But, I think these guys have to sign contracts and maybe they well, just but they, get yeah, they get maybe, a small. Maybe he's just a hard guy to get in contact with. Maybe he doesn't want to be in the game. Kind of like MJ and all these NBA games that came out. So pull you got to pull that team. I don't want to play with a classic 2000 10 Blazers team without B Roy. Yeah, That's I mean, why you put your I, my player on there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll the do only that. Way I, don't, to, I don't even know what that is. I think the only way to settle why Brandon Roy isn't on 2K anymore is just to ask Brandon Roy himself. I mean, it's an open invite to come whoa, onto the whoa. pod, right? For a second, I thought Roe was just about to bring Brandon on the show. I was about to flip out. Yeah, <laughs> I was waiting for Roe to slide sideways. I know. Like, oh, oh shoot, it's Brandon. Make some Roy. I got him on FaceTime right now. <laughs> Bro, you got the natural? Unbelievable. No, yeah, I don't know, man. 2K's a, the, the rating thing is a little bit off for me. I yeah, agree, it, and Eric's it absolutely always has right. Been. It's like it's all about the badges anyway. I mean, I'm sure Dame Lillard has the the deep three badge. You know what I mean? I mean, he should. He didn't in the last one. Oh, well, he had the deep three, but he didn't have the. What's the one? The Steph Curry had it. It was like stupid range or something. I don't know. <laughs> stupid range. <laughs> I'm just making this that up. Should be one. I don't really pay attention. It, yeah, it should be. The genetics. Yeah. The genetics badge from his dad. <laughs> Yeah, man, it was crazy. Uh, other some other notable ratings we got: CJ at eighty-five, uh, Norman Powell at eighty, which I feel is kind of low for Norm. That's low. Um, and Nurk at eighty-one. You guys agree with that? How much does injury rating affect your overall rating? It doesn't, because KD was like a ninety-four or something last, <laughs> and he true. had <laughs> coming off a busted Achilles. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, who knows, man? I don't know. But all I know is I'm probably not going to buy this 2K because they're all the same. Yeah. They're all the same. All Every, the same. It's the same as Madden, man. They're all the it. same. Y'all need to come up with something different. Dude, how many years did it take you to, to come up with that? And how many NBA 2Ks do you have on your shelf right now? Well, I did just say that I played the last one, right? But yeah. how many total? So I've been playing since the first one came out on the Dreamcast. <laughs> so it did its job. <laughs> all it takes. Yeah. This is all You're not it takes. getting any more money from me. That's $700 that I've spent. Is, that's it. I <laughs> draw the line right here. This is all it takes with 
2K or with Madden, it just takes one horrible game in real life and you're like, I really want to beat the Lakers because they just it's smacked true. my team. It's true. 60 bucks, you got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well worth it. Look, we won the championship. <laughs> it happens every time and they know it. Yeah. You're not wrong. Look, I've been saying the same thing every year for the past 10 years. I'm not getting the next 2K. It's just going to be the same as the last one. And then they make a minor tweak that I like. And I'm like, okay, I'm back in. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, Madden, I tell you what, I haven't been on Madden for probably a decade. You're doing good, man. You're doing good. It's too hard, man. I can't play defense on Madden. I don't know how you guys. <laughs> it was all about college game day anyway. Oh, man, I'm actually really stoked that, that the NCAA could be bringing back some college college games. Look, did you guys play the, the NCAA hoops? The, the the basketball game? No. I was a big fan. I was a big fan of that one. Playing as the Ducks. I know you guys probably won't be playing as the <laughs> Ducks, but I'm a big fan of that. But, fellas, I digress. Let's jump into our final segment. And that, of course, is giving props. Giving props, respect, or credit due to the person or group of people. Let's start things off with I'm sure you all read over the weekend, former Seahawks star running back Marshawn Lynch is opening a restaurant in Portland called Beast. And he's doing it with a partnership between uh, the... Uh, going to botch this name, bro. You, you can help me out with this one? Kamania? Kamaini? Kamania? I think you got it right. Well, anyways, the chef of that uh, <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> Kevin Yamada. So it's expected to open in in downtown Portland in the Broadway Tower. Uh, it'll be a Hawaiian cuisine and a sports-themed restaurant. Kind of an interesting dynamic if you want to put those two together. Because normally you go into a Hawaiian place and you see surfboards and, you know, laid-back atmosphere, stuff like that. But coming down to it do we give props to marshawn lynch for opening up this restaurant in downtown portland bro yeah i mean it's beast mode right and it's called beast marshawn lynch pacific northwest portland doesn't have a football team and it i mean an nfl team and it seems like a lot of portland fans kind of gravitate to seattle um the seattle seahawks so it just seems like a perfect marriage for marshawn lynch to be here Perfect, perfect. Eric, you're a foodie, right? Mm, understatement, but yes. Yeah, so yes, what, what, I am what you foodie. got on this? Okay, so I'm very particular about my Hawaiian food, so it's going to have to beat out 808 Grinds. Easy. Oh, hater. You ever been to NoHo's? Of course. Come on, man. NoHo's beats 808. How, how can you put 808 above NoHo's? You're crazy. Hey, hey, let's stay focused here. Eric, props to uh, Yeah, I mean, I love it when these guys, I don't know who gets in professional athletes' ears, and they're like, yo, Marshawn, I know you're retired now, but you got a little bit of bread stack. Uh, what are you going to do with your money? Well, I don't know. What do you think I should do? You should totally open a restaurant. In downtown the, Portland. In downtown Portland, of all places. You know, who... I, uh, I'll give him props because I think that it's a good idea. I think that if you want to get into a food scene, there's not a better one than Portland that you could break into. Amen. 
Um, but watch your checkbook, Marshawn, because it gets expensive in Portland. <laughs> Tim, you're a foodie too, right? I mean, that's putting it mildly. Um, I'll say let's just hope it doesn't end up like his joint in California up on Bar Rescue. Um, but yeah, I'll give him props, man. I mean, who doesn't love Hawaiian food? Who doesn't Macaroni love watching these sports? Salad. Dude, it's all about the mac salad and the rice mixture. You got to mix that up, bro. You have True. to. That's what it's all about. But, yeah, I mean, I'll give him props for trying again. I mean, hopefully it's not a complete flop being in downtown Portland that's kind of... Oh, we're going to have some I problems. Mean, depending, gotta... depending on depending on where it is in downtown Portland, I didn't quite catch where it was. But Broadway Tower. I mean, it could do okay. I just don't want to spend 20 bucks on some musubi. That's yeah, no kidding, man. I want to, you know what? I I want a food cart. And please, listeners, let us know if there's one out there. I want to go to a food cart that sells musubi. Like, I'll buy it like two bucks a musubi or something. Three bucks a musubi. I don't even care. You know that's that what it is. At 808 grinds. It's yeah, three bucks. 808 grinds. I, I don't know, man. Like 808 grinds. There's something about their mac salad that has turned me off. I, I think, think you need carrots. to try it again. I think I it's mean, the carrots. It hits, man. I'm telling you, it hits. Mm, I agree. Too healthy with the carrots in there. Just give me the mayo, the noodles, the onion. Like, nah. I I, I don't need the carrots. Give me those green onions on top. I'm good. Just don't. You know, add, hey, just don't add skittles. Bougie no hoes guy. Hey, you know, you know who who uh, <laughs> skittles. You know who makes a pretty good mac salad. There's a there's a cart down off of like. It's in Northeast. I, I can't remember exactly where it is. It's like MG Wallachs or something. You ever heard of that one? Never heard. Oh, my God. If you guys haven't been there, you got to try it. It's so good. But, yeah, okay. mad props. Mad props to uh, Marshall. Focus, Lynch. Tim. You've you've segued quite a bit this uh, episode. <laughs> we started talking about food. Tim was like, forget hey, props. I'm in it. I'm in it, man. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. We got, we got the props across called the plates. board. <laughs> Marshawn, let's see you execute this Hawaiian and sports themed restaurant. We'll 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 check it out. Love it. Second props. There was a basketball game in New York played with friends that topped over 120 hours of consecutive balling. It took place in Buffalo, New York, and it was for a good purpose. It was played to draw awareness to mental health issues as a close friend of the group died by suicide in 2017. Oh, and did I mention, Eric? It was a Guinness record. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Eric, do we give props to this group of friends who played basketball for 120 hours and got a Guinness record? Yeah, because I'm not going to be the guy that bags on a bunch of friends that are doing something and more of their buddy who committed suicide. So, yes, they can have props. This is the exception to the rule though as far as the Guinness Book of World Records baloney that you like to throw at me oh I had a, I had a few man I had a few but I, I, this one was a good social issue and so I, I you know yeah good good job for those guys I, they have subs were there subs yeah how many how many players were there the article doesn't say but I, I, I want to say that there was a good amount of subs but it was just a group of friends there's a picture here of about I'd say maybe 25 of them they have a cot, so, like instead of a bench, they just had a bed they laid on in between. Yeah, they played for 120 hours and two minutes. 
so yeah it doesn't 120 say 120 hours yeah straight mm-hmm. yes That's sir a long time. who won and what uh, was the score the, the score is not divulged <laughs> and it doesn't say who won because it was for a good cause doesn't matter if you're not first no there last. needs to be a winner and i need to see the score yeah, Bill, Billy Bob had like a 320 and yeah. 50 and 60 game. Why is his name? Because I'll tell you what, right percentage. now, exactly. It's New York. Exactly. Why is his name Billy Bob? <laughs> if I'm playing in a game for 120 hours, I'm putting up triple digits. True. <laughs> I'm better scoring be, at least 100. You better, okay. you better have like a quadruple quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, what you got, man? Yeah, I'll give it props. Let's let's just keep it rolling. I'll give Perfect. it props. <laughs> there we go. Row. I give it props. I did the math. It's five days. Five straight days. That's so ridiculous, man. Mad props. There we go. We got all props across the board for number two when it's hitting it. Round it out with the third one. I'm sure you guys saw this one over the weekend, though. The cat that was dangling from the upper deck of the Miami Hurricanes football game over the weekend that fell eventually and was caught safely by fans below that use their American flag that they bring to every game themselves. Do you give props to the fans for safely catching and escorting the cat out to safety? Eric. I'm not a cat person, so I don't want to be, I didn't want to be the first guy. Um... Yes, props to them for being humanitarians. Why I would not so give hard? me. I would, because I'd just be like, okay, when's it going to fall? <laughs> like, I wouldn't try to catch that thing. You ever try to catch I mean, a cat? If you watch it the hurts, video, man. you got people on the upper deck, and they're waving everybody to move to the side, move to the left, move to the right, and just get that. No, that was good. I mean, it was wholesome. It was definitely wholesome. I mean... Yeah, I'm more like the Denzel Washington in um, Book of Eli. Like, I'm probably shooting that thing and eating it more than catching it. Okay, <laughs> anyways, uh, Ro? I'm still in shock. Did that just happen? <laughs> yeah, we can edit that out on the cutting room. Wait, Eric, you're editing. I'm editing. Don't, so don't no, edit it out. In. Don't edit no. it out. Leave it. People need to know the real you. All I have to say is Portlanders love cats, man. Portlanders love cats. Most of them do, except, you know, Eric. Obviously, but, they do in Miami, too. I mean, using an American flag to catch the cat, too. I mean, what a boss move. USA, USA, USA. I give it mad props, man. Tim, I'm safe to say I could probably, you know, imagine where you're going with this. Count me in, man. I love cats. Count you in. Count I'm not you a, in, I'm yes. not a, I'm not a cat person per se, but I love animals just in general. So the fact that they saved an animal's life, I think that's awesome. Even though it would have landed on its feet, right? Isn't that what cats do? Cats always land on their feet, yeah. Always. And they have lives to spare, so that's all good. And and before you ask, and before you ask, how was that cat in there? The article says that there was no word on exactly why that cat was in attendance at the game that day. I mean, why are, why, are, why are squirrels in NFL games? You know what I mean? Like, Bigger question how is, how the hell did it get, get so high up? And why was it dangling? Like, what? 
Like, I bet someone. There's got to be in. a. There's yeah. There, well, I think. Did it have a collar? Probably, there's probably a story where they were trying to catch it and they were spooking that cat, chasing it all around the upper deck instead of just letting it slink out and it hopped over that ledge thinking it was gonna escape yep. to safety and then it just freedom. Up, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he did get caught by the American flag. So true. Yeah. Yes. That's the most American right. thing ever, by the way. I like but, how they symbol him too. That... Like at the end, like they held it up yes. to the crowd, like yes, yes, like they did. rock that bad boy. <laughs> what day did that happen? Did that happen on 9/11? Whatever uh, Saturday was. College football is Saturday. Yeah. 9/11. Yeah. 9/11. Crazy. Well, there you go. Take it for what you will. There you go. Well, safe to say we had props all across the board for all three of them. Until next time. Absolutely. Hey, guys. It was fun, man. Shout out to you, my co-hosts, the Encyclopedia Foster, the Bay Area Blazer, Rosa Panta, and the man in the chair, Blazer Ben, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, our Twitter followers, and our bucket busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter, at BustedBucket, with your comments and questions. We love building community with you all. Check out our website, BustedBucketPod.com, and pick up some merch at our store, store.BustedBucketPod.com, where everything you buy contributes to community projects in the future. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.